we've forgotten about the offside one as well. I will get there. Um, good morning, everyone. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over another week at Manchester United. Please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're um, watching on YouTube or Facebook, please feel free to get the questions in. Um, if you're watching the replay, say hello. Please still feel free to comment. Uh, we do reply to the comments. Um, if you're listening back on an audio platform, please be sure to subscribe and review on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul, how have you been? Have a good weekend? Yeah, I haven't been bad, Wayne. Um, obviously, I was working on the United game, and then I was at Crystal Palace yesterday as well. So it's been quite an eventful, really. Not so much a game on Saturday was eventful. There was a talking point, but... Yesterday, yesterday's game was definitely eventful at Crystal Palace. Yeah, um, and last week's podcast was eventful, wasn't it? Because I mean, we had a conversation, and I thought, like, when we did the podcast, I'm like, oh, you made a really excellent point on the um, on talking about the fullbacks. You know, talking about how we need new fullbacks and everything. Obviously, a player in your expertise. Obviously, this podcast does. Uh, we, we for some reason, well, for the reason I'm sat with a Premier League legend. And a Premier League winning legend uh, come to that. Um, obviously, we make the press from time to time. I was a little bit surprised that just about everything you said in the podcast, apart from the fullback quote, <laughs> made it into the press. And um, and obviously, some of it got twisted a little bit. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll just, I, I'll just call that lazy journalism because I'll. To be honest, I think I might start doing and just go and listen to podcasts, take what they say, write it down, and then try and give it to a newspaper to nick a few quid. It's better than actually going and going to a game or just ringing someone up and saying, Would you, could I speak to you and have a chat? Then you can yeah. actually get the whole truth. Because that's why now we live in this world now. What we read, we don't really believe because we don't know where it's coming from or yes. how it's been written. It's funny because I've said that so many times that people... If you if you take a quote out of context, how many times do you have to tell someone to go back and watch what the, the, the actual thing, what what the people are referencing? Because some not really, yeah, maybe the quote itself or the quotes themselves, whatever they are, they you know they will be taken for that person's narrative to to fit whatever they want to say. But I mean, it, sometimes when you know people might say that we've been a bit too critical or where I've been a little bit too critical, I think, no, sometimes just go back and watch what we talked about because obviously, and there's going to be a few of that in this episode, by the way, as well, because we're going to be talking about Martial and Rashford inevitably because of what happened on Saturday. Um, before we do that, let's talk about the Brentford game, Paul. Um, obviously, um, drab first off. But the, the switch around in the second was quite dramatic. United, as good in the second half as they were in the in the first half, they've become in something of a like 30-minute team, aren't they, at the moment? Well, not on Saturday, but certainly on, on Wednesday against Brentford. They'll put in really good performances for 30 minutes. And they, they were excellent for a little bit um, at Brentford, a game where, to be fair, I mean, Thomas Frank was quite outspoken with... Um, I'm quite passionate about the way that um, things went for his team and how many... Chances they missed and quite sort of strong with the way that he delivered that message after the match. You know, he had a little bit of a right to be um, to have a grumble, but that's football, right? You missed some chances. De Gea was in good form in the first half and United took their chances in the second. That's the difference between having the players that United have got. And I'm not dismissing anything with Brentford. They, like we said it on last week's podcast, they've done excellently since they've been promoted. But <laughs> could I just stop you there just for one sec? This Sky Sports have just put on the ticker. It's actually announcing that Luke Chadwick has retired from MK Dons. <laughs> it just come up. I'm just looking at it going, hold on a minute. I was it about, what, six, seven years since Luke stopped playing, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry about that one. Sorry, I'm going to hold it. Have I got this wrong? As... Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> there you are. I, just, no, I think just you said that this morning, actually. I Did saw it? that and. Luke's a, a good mate of the the side. He's a he's a really good lad, Luke. And um, yeah, yeah, it's funny, funny that because yeah. he, he, he po that's another thing, isn't it? He posted that on social media, so that gets picked up by Sky Sports News that he's retired. Yeah. When you should do it, Paul, and they might announce the news of your retirement. Um, oh, that's my, there's too much yeah. dust on too much dust on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Brentford, yeah, United. <laughs> 
good in the second. Thomas Frank quite um, upset about it, but it's just one of those hard lessons for a newly promoted side, a team yeah. who's got the, the players that United have got. Yeah. Um, if you give them a way back into a game, as we and we took it, you know, then you can't really come. I, I you can complain about the balance of it, you know. Brentford are going to do that, but United, I thought, um, it's one of those lessons in football, right? They took the chances in the second half. Yeah, I mean, but. I can understand where Thomas is coming from because I've seen Brentford quite a few times through Perth Jones. I've seen them more in the last 18 months than what I ever saw them prior to all this. You know, as far as I knew them, there was a side who was always... I used to play against them pre-season friendlies when I was at QPR. And all of a sudden the club has kind of grown and what they've done as a as a business model is absolutely fantastic. They're, they're in a great place as a football club, the way they've gone and done it. I criticised the way they was doing it because they've got rid of the youth side of things. But at the end of the day, even I've kind of had to evolve as a, a person who played the game, who watches the game, who still works within the game and understand where they're coming from for a club like that. It's fan- the way it works, it's fantastic. And they've achieved the ultimate, getting in the Premier League and doing it as well. So that's, that. you know, it's incredible. But what Brentford done to United in the first half, they have done to a lot of teams week in, week out. Yeah. They are very, very good at it. And like we always say, is that if only, like Brighton could say it as well, if only we had, say, i.e. a Harry Kane. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, you're trying to say, yeah, if you had a Harry Kane, a Harry Kane would only have one season with him, and Harry Kane would move on. That's the, that's the difference. But that's, yeah. the way, that's the way football is. But... His frustrations come out in that game, maybe because how big that game was, because it was, as I said before, it's a game they was looking forward to. From the moment they got promoted, it was Manchester United at home. They couldn't wait for that game. And I just think a little bit of a, the emotions and everything got to him. And he just saw that there, that thing for him as well. Being Danish as well, Manchester United having a big following in Denmark because of Big Pete, maybe even Sieberbeck as well. That's going back in time. Um... <laughs> And he's just maybe just all come out in that one bit. He, he kind of semi-apologised just, um, just before the last game. Um, I think he, he apologised about a little bit, and I think in in the way he went, you know the way he went about it. So I can understand in a way, and he does kind of. I think he's a bit marmite, as they say, with people. He does rub people up the wrong way, but. He's a he's a good he's a good person for that football club because he gets very much involved. Brentford is a community club from day one. They've always they're always community just in that part of London where they are. Most clubs are trying to become that way. Brentford have been there for years, but mm-hmm. that first half performance was 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 poor, so so poor. I think the elected player of the year already made made such a difference to Manchester United again, kept them. And gave them the opportunity to go and produce what they produced in the second half. Yeah. And some people have said things to me, asked me a question, and every time I've said yeah, and the question they asked me, or what they've said to me is, United haven't moved on, Paul, have they? From Ollie, they're still with the same same team. Mm. Everything's the same. Nothing's changed. And I've gone yeah, and it hasn't. Yeah. It hasn't. It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. What it is, is Manchester United are still relying on key players to get them out of trouble. When it's not going, you're looking for key players. Who's who's going to make the difference this week? Because United still don't grab hold of a game and never dominate games in the right way. At the weekend, still so slow, ponderous. Bad teams can defend against teams that are good sides that play ponderous. Liverpool were ponderous in the second half. Cost them. Crystal Palace would have been on their way and done something, but the referee got in the way of that. But you, Liverpool lost their way for a little while. United mm. have been doing it and doing it and doing it. As you know, Wayne, you've watched more United games than what I have. And even you know yourself that the way they're playing is not like a team that, as we're talking, a Liverpool, a Chelsea or a Man City. That's why mm. those three are in, in a guaranteed Champions League football next season. The reason why Tottenham, Arsenal and Manchester United are fighting for one spot is because they're three of the so-called, three of the poorest so-called top six. Yeah. No, and you're right with that. And Saturday's game was a big um, 
reflection of that. You're right, the, the Oli comparison is a good one because you don't look at this team two months into Ralph Rangnick's reign and say, oh, that's they're doing things that Ralph Rangnick wants them to do. It looks like it's the same side doing the same things. Um, like, was it against Brentford? How many times did we see this happen? Countless times under Ole. They were poor in the first half and then they'd, they'd do well in the second. Uh, the best under Ole, they found a way that they had like an internal resolve where they didn't always have to wait to half time. Sometimes you might see them if they're having a poor 20 minutes in the first half, sometimes they had like a, a boost from within. And I, that, I thought that was a good sign of progress, but they've sort of regressed back to this mean of needing some kind of external influence with that. Um, Saturday was a, a, an odd one. And it's funny that you mentioned that divide in the top six, because I think that that's where United are. You're absolutely right with that. And West Ham are obviously in that mix as well. And, and that's what made the game so difficult on Saturdays because you've got a team who were desperately trying to maintain this level of overachieving which West Ham are doing at the moment um so obviously they were going to set up in a pragmatic way Moise said afterwards you know he was annoyed about the result now it's a funny one when you look at it because I mean look, there, there's nothing that compares with a last minute winner at the Stratford end it's, it's an amazing feeling there's a euphoria of it that you know Everything about it, you know, it's got the added thing of Rashford scoring, who we hope is continuing this redemption story um, coming on from the, the goal that he scored at Brentford. I don't want to be too pessimistic about this because I, I was feeling quite pessimistic for 89 minutes of that game. So I'm going to be trying, I'm going to try and be positive about what I saw on Saturday. Because when you're at the game and when you're in the stadium and you're watching the frustration as it, un uh, as it unfolds, Especially after some of the performances this season, which we've got to—I don't know any way to dress this up, Paul. Some of the worst that this stadium has ever seen. Um, you're looking down the barrel of another one, and if it finishes nil-nil, we're having a very different conversation this morning. Now there are a lot of rushed chances, Fernandez and Dallo shooting from range where they really didn't need to do it, um, and then. A couple of change shapes again. Uh, the, the obviously he started with the four-two-three-one, which again was Ollie, uh, but he changed it late on and and threw on attackers. And the gamble includes throwing on Martial, Rashford, and Cavani, and then football as it does, and joyously United it does it many times. It provides this moment in the last minute. Um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack. We'll talk about VAR as well in a second. You're watching it over again as I did after. You know, to take the emotion out of it, I have to say yes. Actually, a lot of people were saying we controlled the game, and we did. We showed a lot of control in that game. Moyes set up to defend. They never had to be brilliant defending because we didn't test them enough for them to have to be brilliant. Rice was outstanding, in, particularly in the first half. He was dominant on that pitch. Um, it, there was moments like it was McTominay and Ronaldo. He absolutely bossed them off the ball in two occasions. And but United, you know, they came back to, into it in the second half. The atmosphere was great. And the players responded to the gamble. It paid off just... I mean, well, yeah, we'll talk about VAR as a separate thing, but on the balance of play, Paul, what did you make of the game? Obviously, it was a difficult one. Um, United, on the balance, if you're going to decide it like a boxing match, they deserve to win. But you wouldn't have complained if West Ham had come away with a draw. Um, Moyes, obviously, annoyed as, annoyed as Frank, really. Um, but... Um, yeah, United. I thought value on points, but um, football isn't played like that. They they got it by the skin of their teeth, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. There's 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 not three four people sitting around the sides and giving marks out of ten after a zero in football. Hmm. But I, I, I watch a game, and yeah, we can say in certain ways because the amount of shots that United had. But Christ, can you really call call them shots? Can <laughs> that's the problem with stats because they like probably played Mayweather football. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Just some of the things they were doing so rash, and yeah. in certain ways, I could see why Fernandez he come in and he's made a massive impact with Man Manchester United. But I'm start, I can see why that maybe he hasn't gone to, a, he hasn't had the opportunity to be a, a club as big as United prior. Because mm -hmm. I've seen players, he's just not his discipline level isn't very good. He's very erratic. He's very erratic at certain times in a game doesn't keep his composure, can't keep his composure mm. for 90 minutes when things aren't going right. 
he gets he gets within himself. You can see him talking to himself, and he suddenly feels that he wants to be Superman and do it on his own. And footballs at the moment, you know, one of the few things that hasn't changed in football. It's still eleven against eleven, and it's called a team game. But um, I looked at it, and I looked at when West Ham had the ball in midfield, and they were progressive, and they cut through. Yeah. When Manchester United had the ball in midfield, it was ponderous. And they weren't cutting through. There was no improvisation, lacking creativity, nothing. The only the one time in the game was very, very late on, and I think it was just before the goal was scored. And I think it was when Martial, yeah, divered, divered. You know, come on a sub. He's got that excuse. He come on a sub, but he divered, and it, and I think it allowed Craig Dawson to come across and get involved, make contact, and it lessened the blow towards the goalkeeper. But it was the only time they cut through the back four by passing in between. Only time, only time he'd done it in ni- near 90 minutes of football. Yeah. That's poor. West Ham, done, West Ham done it more often. The bonus for United was is that they had a makeshift centre forward up front. Yeah. Because if he doesn't score a goal, Antonio, he looks makeshift, and he he was makeshifted. He looked like somebody they dragged from Wormwood Scrubs playing fields or from Hackney Marshes. He, he, he looked absolutely terrible. And in this, in this neck of the woods where I live, as you know, it's predominantly all West Ham. You speak to any West Ham fan and they will say to you, after the weekend, Zuma's come back. Zuma made a massive difference from at the back, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, what they're lacking is an out-and-out 100% centre-forward now. If they'd had a centre-forward, you could hold the ball, play people in. It could have been maybe a different game. But every time Antonio touched it, it was just start again, lose possession, defend it. He, he, every time it got to him or got in that final third, he killed everything. So that was the thing that let West Ham down. Nil-nil for me would have been a more than fair result in the end in that game. United yeah. didn't really deserve to win, to win it. Neither side deserved to win that game. But when I keep looking at United and looking at the bits where they're struggling, we know this defensively, there's... There isn't. I don't know what the ideal defensive defence is really. Was Harry Maguire playing only because of the situation with Lindelof? But if he's only playing because of Lindelof, then why did he come back in and then he gets the captain's armband? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. There's no great things being decisions being made there. Is that because the decisions are going to be left to the person who's going to come in after him rather than him make all those decisions himself? And my way of thinking is he's coming now, new kid on the block, new man in charge. I think those decisions should be made by him now. If United are going to change, changes should have been made, if not now, should have been made earlier about things off the pitch, about maybe players who may be not fitting. And if some, if it comes to the time the new person comes in, they are the ones who come in and men, men, those fences come in and say, sorry, you know, this is what I want to do. And they can go on the charm offensive then. But I think at the moment it needed positive things to happen. I'm not really seeing positive things. Anything that I can just suddenly go, God, that's changed. I yeah. mean, Martial, as you mentioned, he's, he was going to talk about him. If Martial had really said, I don't, I don't want to play in that. I don't want to be in that squad. I don't want to play or I don't want to travel. I think myself, if he said that, he then he shouldn't even been on the bench. And he, then even less, should never have even gotten the field if he's really said that. Because yeah. you think to yourself, hold a minute. He's, if you're on there, I go to myself, he said all that. And then all of a sudden, I expect him to go and do a job for me on the field. And he doesn't want to be there. He's made it obvious that he doesn't want to be there. And you think to yourself, well, how's, how's that happened? If you're, Van, mm. if you're Van, again, I'm going to mention his name. If you're Van der Bake, you're kind of going, hold on a minute. I've said nothing. I've been treated disgracefully. And all of a sudden, he's come out and said all that, but he's playing. And it was it was the manager, or the interim manager, who's actually released this, who's kind of said this about Martial. So, I don't know, am I, am I missing something? Am I getting it wrong? I really don't understand. At the moment, the club has always happened with a football club. The big thing that's happened, the only thing as far as I'm concerned, is that only good and Solskjaer, is not in charge of Manchester United. Everything carries on. Yeah, it's, it's such a thing with uh, Martial. Is, and you're right, uh, this is the thing that I've been saying for for a little while is, I don't, the club, 
and the way I said a club, the manager, whoever it is, there's always this emphasis on short term things happening. Like, you know, it'll be like short term, like Paul Martial did this, but in the next week is he's in the team because United need a goal and 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 you know the gamble taken in the short term, but there's no like long term planning for it because Martial still wants to leave. Um, it's a funny thing with Martial because he was booed in pockets of the ground when he came on and obviously he was booed because he's putting a transfer request and he wants to go and and from whatever I mean there might have been it might have been like 50 percent the the fans back in Ragnik and believe in what he said but I, I wonder if he's to stay this might be a good use of him because if his head is on and I think really that's all United want to see United fans want to see they want to see a committed and interested Martial because we know the talent is there but I'm I, I'm with you because overall and I've said this before I said it with Pogba as well you can't the, the long term prospects of the club have got the long term health when you sack a manager and you bring a new manager in especially when you've got two players who openly want to leave and they're trying to make a quick exit well they, they want to leave either this month or, or the summer. They want to go fairly soon. Don't build a team around them. Don't do not do this in the short term because, yeah, all right, look, we might not have won on Saturday, but the long-term messages that you're putting out, it's just like you can do what you want to the badge. You can really say what you want and, and you still have a chance of playing in the next game. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit silly like that. Um, talk about the goal, Paul. Um, obviously... Rashford scores it. Um, some neat attacking player, probably the best build-up United put in in the entire match. Really, the way that they, they move the ball with purpose, and they score. And um, it's a funny one because obviously it was delayed. I didn't even realize when I was in the ground. I didn't realize the second cheer was because it was being chased for VAR. I didn't realize that. Um, but obviously it was, and it was fairly quick. The check. Um, I've looked at it again and. If you're asking me as a normal football fan, I think without VAR and without lines drawn on a screen and everything like that, I look at it and I think, well, it's level. It's the spirit of the game. Do you know what I mean? In, in the normal realm of football, you would say it's a square ball he scored. These days, it's all about the lines and the angles. I've seen what they came up with and it, you know, it paints Cavani as onside, but I still don't, I don't trust that angle. It could easily have been off. If you're looking at lines and it being perfect, it could have been off. In the spirit of the game, I would say he's on, but in, in the actual technicality of where that line's supposed to go, and considering the lengths that people go to these days with VAR, it was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it, Paul? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm all for the joy of the game being remained and VAR not being there, but when you've got it and it's being used for people to be using it as differently as they are is a, a bit worrying isn't it yeah it was it was a it was strange and the whole thing doesn't make any didn't make any sense to me in the in the way it was kind of gone about how quickly it was disposed of and we you know every every fan has sat there when they've scored a goal every fan has gone yes and they've kind of gone oh pull it back Hold on, let's be let's be patient. Let's wait for the mob for the mob in the boot in the broom cupboard at Heathrow to make a, to make sure that everything's okay. You know, you have to wait. Yeah. And and I'm you know I'm there and I'm right. I'm waiting for it now. And I got a, the producer is a big West Ham fan. And he said that he could, it's got to be checked. I, I think it's offside. So I think okay. By the time I kind of gone right, okay, it's be checked. I've seen United kick off and then the referee blow the whistle and I thought myself. Oh, that was an amazing quick check. There's never been a check for anything as quick as that. Yeah. It's absolutely, it was far too quick for offside. It was far too quick for that decision to make. They, they haven't been good enough to check the most obvious offsides that quick. Yeah. You know, it's just absolute amazing how have they done it. And I just think that there was a lot of bewildered, Manchester United fans, they enjoying the moment, but thinking, hold on a minute, how does that happen so quickly? Yeah. And still, even now, it's strange, and I'm sitting here waiting to, to see what's going to happen. If I'm going to see, I want to listen to 
the referee come out, and I don't want to listen to Peter Walton because he just backed the establishment in, but um, I just want to listen to somebody who's going to come out and open up a little bit more about it and tell me something that makes me then understand, yep, yeah, it was the right decision because I think I'm not bad on offsides. And I, it's a strange one. Someone will say it was the hand, but that doesn't count the hands because it's, you know, whatever. But then the hand does count when when you try and control the ball in the box and accidentally it hits your hand, but then you go and score. They, they'll say handball, but it doesn't matter when you're offside. Yeah. You know, the hand is the hand is taken away and you're onside or, or your toe or something. I don't know. I really don't know what they're doing here, but it's, it's I don't know what to say. I really don't really understand where the ruling is because it's, it seems like we don't know anything. So what we do is put a load of big words around something. And then what we do, we've got enough in there to cover ourselves. If anything does happen, we can mix it about a bit, we can stir it up in the bowl and cover ourselves. And the, the referees at the moment in time, in my opinion, have become like a little little gang who are all together and they'll all back each other. There's, there's, I, I've just not seen anything 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 open at all out there to understand. I just think the referee yesterday, and everyone's this has been said for years and years, it's never going to happen. He had he had, he should have been there to explain himself. The referee yesterday, I'm on about explain himself to the Crystal Palace fans on why he gave that penalty. Yeah. And I think as well, the referee there or the fourth official needed to tell, needed to speak after the game. Or if it's not the referee, the referee might be just a little bit too early for him. Needs time, needs a debrief to get his head together, which fully understand. So it might need someone to explain from the broom cupboard that he throw uh, why they gave that goal. And then everyone can then have a, you know, but saying that, it, it, it must have been great conversation in the pubs and clubs all around Manchester in people's car, tra- travelling home to talk about it. But I think sometimes you do need to know the reasoning behind it. Normally, I kind of think it doesn't matter. I've got the stage now, it does matter. I'd like to know. So when I'm watching another game, that's in my head to know the reason why. If something similar happens, I'm going to turn around and say, that's why it's a goal, because of this. And lo and behold, what will happen is it will go the other way and I'll still be left in the dark to go, hold a minute, that old Trafford when they played West Ham and I saw that happen, that was given, but then now it hasn't been given. So we're all stuck. It doesn't matter if you played a game or you haven't played a game. We're all in the same position. We really, really don't know Wayne at this moment in time, which I suppose that's why football is and that's why it's the best sport in the world, to be perfectly honest. Because it's that open, we can still talk about. It. You try and do this with cricket, rugby, American football, where when it's almost near perfect, you don't get the same. You don't get the same chat, the banter, yeah. anything about it. Because football is so opinionated. In the right, yeah. in the right way, we can all sit together. We can talk about it, 10, 15, 20 people, and have a great discussion and share opinions about it. Not get aggressive, but share opinions about a decision that. that but it's not one person anymore, is it? That's the problem with it. Mm. There's other people in the room, the overlords of a game. The mm. people who are actually there on the pitch wearing whatever colours they wear now are controlled by people in the room. That's that's the problem. Assistant referees are going to be taken out of the game soon because there's, there's no need for them anymore. All they do is get abused because they flag late. I understand why they flag late because of whatever. I totally don't agree with it because someone's going to get main soon hurt badly but the fans are not getting it and not wanting to understand it why they're keeping the game going for so long when it is blatantly obvious that it's offside yeah. I think it's funny as well because on Saturday there was a few of those where the, the linesman flagged really early and it was like well where's the consistency again do you know what I mean yeah. it's like you, you're now used to waiting for the late flag and, and it was jarring when when it was happening early so, so United win late on um you mentioned it earlier about that break in where United are, you know, the top three and then the, the others. And I agree with that. And the concerning thing is, when you're saying that it doesn't look like anything has changed, because you look at that, you look at a last-minute winner and you you look at the way that he, he gambled at the end and you want to start, what you want to do as a positive thinking, forward-thinking fan, is that, oh, that's something to build upon moving forward and at least we control the game and all that sort of stuff. But the problem lies in the fact that 
West Ham didn't have to defend brilliantly. United weren't pushing them really that much. And I'm not criticising West Ham, by the way. I'm saying they were value for the draw. I'm just saying we never stretched them to the way that, you know, if they were going to get a nil-nil at Chelsea or Liverpool or City, they would have had to work a lot harder for it than what we were making them work for it. And that's where United's problem is going to lie. Um, you see you see Neves do things what he did at Brentford and you see that he's still wanting to, to move. And maybe he's not the answer to get United a title, but he could definitely be the answer to, to move United a bit forward. Because you need oh, it's to... a step forward, Wayne. He, he's a step forward. That's in the moment. He is yeah. a step forward and something to build off. Someone who can get hold of it, you know, not every time, but control the game. He would demand more from players around him to make yeah. sure that they don't give the ball. Because if he can't control the midfield, Neves is not going to go around and be that chicken with no head, closing people down, running around, making big tackles. He wants to control the game. He will demand it. It's as yeah. simple as that. And that's what they, they haven't got that. They haven't got that in midfield. You know, doesn't matter whatever they do, Manchester United's midfield, if we're talking again about the big six, United have got the worst, without a shadow of a doubt. If you're talking about an attacking midfield, United have got the worst out of the top six. United would do well to be in the middle of the, the middle of the road as a midfield, if you're being perfectly honest. If you were to exchange other teams' midfield and put them into the same system what United are playing, you would get more creativity from that midfield. You would mostly get just you'd get the same defensively as well, because as much as he's playing two players who are holding United's goal against or shots against, is horrific. Yeah, yeah. He's horrific for a club of its stature. It's not David. Yeah, David. No, David De Gea. The amount of shots he's had against him as a Manchester United goalkeeper, he should have that amount of shots against him as a Norwich goalkeeper. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's absolutely embarrassing. And when you look how much minimum every time we go, every time they go into that field, Manchester United, they've got what, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty minimum back four. Yeah. That's how much a back four costs minimum every time. And you go yourself, hold on a minute, that doesn't make any sense. How much a back four of West Ham? How much of that? How much is that worth? Yeah. You know, Dawson. Dawson's cost nothing. Nothing. Craig Dawson. Zuma's the most expensive one. I don't know what Creswell's worth, but he's <clears throat> he's over 30 now. I mean, you're talking Soufal. We cost him 5 million. Yeah, yeah. And they couldn't, crea- they couldn't create. I know you can't put prices and judge of prices. It's, a, it's about doing your job in the marketplace and going and bringing what you can value for money for what your budget is. David Moyes, David Moyes has won that. Yeah. Already yeah. won that. It's, it's, it's terrible, really, when you look at it. The thing that helps Manchester United, there's enough individuals on any given day, when any given day when things ain't going right, to get them out of trouble. And that's where that little bit of extra finance, that kind of that player can go and make a difference. Let's talk about um, one who didn't cost anything then, Rashford. Um, obviously, he scored at Brentford. Um, quite popular goal, obviously, because of what he's... So endured since you know he's been through this sort of difficult spell with the injuries and and his form has obviously dropped. He really did drop off a cliff. His confidence was on the floor. You've talked about Rashford quite a lot <clears throat> in the past. We've talked about like the stuff that he's done off the field and um, if that's a distraction and if he should concentrate on his football. It's fair to say that this season maybe he has been concentrating on his football, but. The, you've seen a player in a really bad run of form. Um, I'd love to get your opinion on this, Paul, because obviously the the common goal is that we all want to see him do well in a Manchester United shirt, and you could see the relief for him on Saturday, um, more relief than there was. I mean, obviously the, the goal at Brentford was very popular because all the, the players ran around him. Saturday it was very popular for 73,000 people for a different reason because it was a winning goal. Where, where do you stand on Rashford at the moment? Obviously, you want him to come in and do well and see this as an opportunity to pick up his form. Um, you, you can't say that two goals have changed everything, but the confidence that goals like that can bring um, can really turn a player's season around, can't it? Yeah, I think it's everyone hoping. If anyone's been out there hoping it can, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, is he going to start next game because he scored two goals? Well, to be honest, I don't think he... 
Um, if he's going to start in front of anybody, you have to say maybe Mason Greenwood. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's a very minimal maybe, but I don't think Mason Greenwood does enough. I think he can do more because I think I've seen Alanga on the other side and Alanga has got at it like a, a young Ryan Giggs. Yeah, he was good on Saturday. He's got that appetite. He's there fighting. He, he tracks back and Ryan always tracked back. No one told Ryan to track back. You mm. didn't have to ask him. He did it. And he's no different the way he is. You can see he's doing it. And it isn't half-hearted. He's doing it 100%. But he, he wants chased, to get that ball. Yeah, he chased a couple of lost causes as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's, why I, that's why I think I can say people try to give Mason Green with that Ryan Giggs bit. But he hasn't got that dynamism. And that, he's not dynamic like Ryan. And he hasn't got Ryan's personality. And at the moment, I'm not seeing enough from him. He's not in the game enough for someone of his ability. Mm. But I, so Rashford can't be on the left side in front of Alanga at the moment. And you've got a young player, and I think he needs games. I still think it's wrong that he keeps getting taken off. Yeah. I don't see that right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't I am not getting that one when he take when he keeps leave him on there, let him feel like he's part of it by playing the ninety minutes and be on the pitch for all the adulation that goes with it as well. Let him let him enjoy that moment rather than put, taking him off all the time. Rashford, yes, he's scored two goals. You know, for me, great. But wait and see. He's still got to earn the right to play regularly. Scoring goals isn't enough. If he's given an opportunity to go and start a game, go out there and become a team player. Start making the right decisions again. Yeah. You know, know when to dribble, when to pass. Start getting all that back. And then people say, yep, you are going in the right direction. But it's a wait and see moment. That's the thing about everyone's hoping that the goal makes a difference but you'll have, you'll have to wait and see can he get himself out of it because there's something definitely which isn't which isn't right in the moment within himself is it is it because of he's got to a level that he can't surpass now as a footballer and that can happen yeah that can happen without a shadow of a doubt as the game moves on that much and you haven't haven't and you can't you can't go to that next level when it comes to those quick decision making you know yeah. so that's where we are, isn't it, with him? We, yeah. That's where we're right at that moment where that that's his test, and we'll see. And I, I said this on a podcast I was on last week with um, the the no question about that podcast. I actually talked about that that we're at a moment where we're watching it unfold. Will he be a, an average Championship player? Will he be an average Premier League player? Will he be an average Champions League player? Will he be a, a good? player in each of those leagues or, or competitions. We don't know yet. That's what we're watching unfold. And, you know, the one thing you would say, after seeing him, like, seeing what it meant to him on Saturday, you know that, obviously, it's it still means a hell of a lot to him to play for United. The, the difference is, it, <laughs> yes, we've got a divide of players that we know don't really care about playing for the club. And it's whether those that do want to play are good enough and unfortunately, you know, some won't be. Uh, but we'll, we'll see, wait and see with Rashford. You're quite right. Alanga, probably um, deserving of his place, uh, could feel it, definitely aggrieved to be taken off on Saturday, even if, again, Ragnik can say, like he did to Ronaldo in the, the previous week, the, the, the consequence of the substitute was um, justified because of what it turned out to be. Um, so that's West Ham, that's Rashford. Um Next time we talk, it'll be after the, the Cup game against Borough because we've got this little winter break of a week. Um, Chris Wilder doing great things up there at the moment, uh, Paul. He's got seven wins from his last eight, I think, in all competitions. So you've got Borough riding this wave of momentum where you're not going to bet against them getting into the playoffs. I think they're just outside it at the moment. We've also had a decent record at Old Trafford in the past, and I know it's a separate group of players, but you can bet that Wilder will be putting that into their edge. You know, Middlesbrough traditionally do well at Old Trafford, certainly like the last 20 years or so. We've got a familiar face in there, Paddy McNair. Um, United, on the other hand, you know, they're going to have this couple of weeks off. It doesn't always help United to have a rest. And particularly when, you know, you anticipate that there'll probably be a few changes in there because it's a cup game against the lower league team. Uh, what are you expecting from the cup game? Because United really need to go all out to win this competition, don't they? Yeah, he's got to. He's got to go as strong as he can. He can't afford to, in my opinion, bring in ring rusty players 
up against a Middlesbrough side who are on the offensive. He can't, he can't afford to do that. It doesn't matter about the difference in quality as individuals. It's about what's in there and that, how, how much attention has been run yeah. and the fact of those players, what they're like mentally. As we know, <laughs> there's a lot of them not mentally right at Manchester United. To suddenly go, could their mind be going, oh, we're playing against Middlesbrough, great. Thank you, boss. You know, that yeah. it could be that kind of attitude, which will cost them, which will cost them. And, you know, when I play, I remember there was a couple of scares in FA Cups. I think we we remember playing Brighton at home one time. I think it was, I don't know if that was in our 94, I can't remember. Then there was Portsmouth as well. We That went to a replay at Fratton Park during my time as well. When you step off, but that's even them. But we was virtually playing, everyone was playing in that game because we didn't, you know, what was there, 16 players, you know, there were 16 of us. So there wasn't no switching about too much. So they've got to be on their guard. And I really, what, what is what is his best team? No one really knows what his best 11 is. What is the best formation? No one knows. Who are the best 11 players to put in a game where you need honesty, you need application, you need, um, you need people who just want to win. We don't know if there's... Is, is there 11 of them who can do that? You know, take their foot. They take their foot. They're going to get overrun. Yeah. It's simple as that. Chris Wilder's got a great reputation of bringing teams up, done great in his first season at Sheffield United. I think, I think what happened in life cost him his job at Sheffield United because none of them wanted him to go. I don't think he deserved to go from there, but I knew there was in-house fighting going on between the owner and the chairman. And, you know, and obviously he's, he's sided, he, he sided, the person who gave him the job and his belief in the club that he supported as a boy. So, but he's a fantastic manager. All levels he's been as a manager and he's done fantastic. Mm. I, mean, I remember him at Halifax when I was working um, for Citanta doing the um, non-league, doing the Blue Square Premier. And he was manager of Halifax and what he'd done with them was fantastic. So he's got great experience. And they're going to come there and try and win. He's going to want to make a statement and yeah. make a statement for himself, quite sure but to everyone else in the championship because everyone in the championship hate teams that make late runs. Yeah. And momentum is so important in the championship. So he's not going to give up that momentum because he's going to Old Trafford. They're going to would have sold their full allocation. There's going to be yeah. so many people, yeah. so many people from Middlesbrough. The thing that people have got to watch out for is that maybe Gary Palace is going to go and join the Middlesbrough fans. That's the worrying <laughs> thing. He might even get out of his chair because he doesn't like standing up, Pally, and he might even go and join the Middlesbrough boys. That's the big problem they've got to worry about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Pally, obviously, the United legend. Um, and before we next talk, it's going to be the closer transfer window. Now, he's had a few weeks, Ragnick, with this squad of players. There's not been much transfer speculation, which suggests it's dead for United this January. Do you think that it would be wise for United to try and still, win the seven days they've got left, to invest in a player, try and find a midfielder to bring in? I don't think one, one. They need they need at least two in that midfield to make a real difference. That's mm. the thing. Can one player make a difference? It's going to need it's going to need a bit more because he's going to need someone else of equal ability, equal quality, someone else to do the job that I think he'd be looking for. Are they going to allow the interim manager to go and buy players, bring players in, if, if at the moment, as us on the outside, don't know who's going to come in? Mm-hmm. So is, that, is he allowed to go and buy for what he likes? Because if he buys for what he's like, the new manager coming in might not like. So, But none of us know how that's working. There might be someone in mind. There might be somebody already they've got. So that's that's the thing. That's the thing about it. Is an agent, I mean, a good agent, a trustworthy agent, going to allow one of his players to come to Manchester United not knowing who the next manager is? Mm. If he's a good agent, a trustworthy agent, who ain't chasing the dollar, the pound, um, he's going to turn around and say, no, I need to know who you're going to bring in. Yeah. And and I need to know that that person likes my player because otherwise we're, we're in trouble here. You know, yeah, even though yeah. players players are commodities, they've got a massive say. In the moment they say they're unhappy, you need them to get you need them away. 
unless you're at Manchester United and you keep them all there in the same barrel. Um, so you just need all, all those little bits need to be answered. That's why yeah. we're talking now, what, eight days to go? Yeah, is seven, it eight days? Yeah, seven, seven, eight, whatever it is. You know, where before in the good old days, let me blow a bit of dust off of it. Deals were done within 24 hours, 48 yeah. hours. Do you want to come to Manchester United? Yes, sign now. Bang. Not anymore, because yeah. there's so many people hanging on from the tree to the branch to the twig and the acorn. There's so many people grabbing there. has got to have a little pot of gold. Deals can't get done. Yeah. That is the big problem. So at the moment, it's looking no chance that United are going to sign a player unless there's a merry-go-round at the end. Yeah. Game, there's, a, there's a game of chess at the end with one moving there, one moving there. All depends who's going to grab the king. That's the thing. The main one, I really don't know. No, you're right. Uh, that's it. And United have been on that merry-go-round a few times, and, it, and every time they do, you, you think this doesn't scream long-term planning. And you look mm. at where they are at the moment, um, Rice was making all the right noises after the game on Saturday, but you're not going to get a Declan Rice in January, even if you can get him in the summer. You're not going to get a Jude Bellingham this summer when Dortmund are going to lose Haaland. They're not going to let Bellingham go. So, but that, that's the minimum, Wayne. Of <clears throat> that's the minimum yeah. of 170, 170 yeah. million. Yeah. Because as I keep saying, if Jack Grealish is worth a hundred million, Declan Rice is worth about one hundred and thirty. Yeah, probably. That, that's what West Ham Well, and yeah. I, I would always say it, because I'll yeah, tell you yeah. what, you ask any player you'd have on your team, you'd have Declan Rice before Greedish all day long, because Declan Rice will play the same today and go and do exactly the same the week after the week after. I see him so many. He's incredible. Yeah. He's in, yeah. As a person, he, he's a proper footballer and a proper man as well. He, just the way he plays, the way he is as a person. Met him, know people know him. Comes lo- goes local, seen a local girl to here. Honestly, yeah. he is so down to earth that he's a he's the one he makes a difference in a team more so than a Jack Grealish. Yeah. So he's worth more money. Bellingham, Bellingham might be speaking to um Sancho, his mate Sancho. Not going to get Bellingham, are you, at the moment at Manchester United because his mate Sancho is so too old on a minute. Yeah. Don't come here, mate. And that's yeah. the way th- he would definitely going to talk to him. Going to ask him, still communicating now, no chance. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's the, as well, like because of those two names, you know, like you're quite right with Bellingham, think I didn't think about that. But yeah, for sure, on top of the Haaland situation, there, that's just another reason for why he's unlikely to come into United, even though the talent is, is exactly what United are missing, like Rice as well. You look at where. United need to improve, and you look at a player like Neves, and, and uh, Neves is the name because he scored two goals at the weekend and two magnificent goals, it should be said as well. But United don't need players who can shoot from the edge of the box. They've got, like, even Fred can do it, McTominay can do it. I'm not saying that they're brilliant at doing it, but they, McTominay gets most of his goals from that area. You need players who can do everything in the 60 yards before the box, and I don't know if you can get one of those in, in the next few few days you've got, to, you've got to remember manchester united and when you play for united you you don't always you you look at players and when you play for when you're playing at the levels where manchester united want to be talking clubs who want to be at that highest level when you sign players you sign them for consistency you can't just have players who suddenly come out and they're well beaters and they're great against burnley and should be doing this and then the following week they drop there and they're there and like one, one in every ten doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. You can't, you can't have that. You need that level of consistency week in, week out. And they, but it doesn't drop. And they haven't got that in midfield. They yeah. haven't got it. Even Fernandez, and he's been, no. he's been a revelation. He, he's not, he's not there. He might be better with better play with two midfield players around him who yeah. will ask questions of him. They would yeah. ask questions of him, and all of a sudden, he fear, then he might realise he's got to step his game up. Yeah. He might suddenly stop throwing his toys out of his socks every time he gets tackled, because yeah. he plays the game like a schoolboy in the playground who isn't going his way, and he's going to grab the ball. So he needs to grow up and show a little bit more responsibility, and then maybe people might say 100% should be the captain. But at the yeah. moment, the way he conducts himself, he needs to move on from that. 
everyone knows how good he is. Everything's there for him, all ready for him to work with, but he's got to sort that bit up upstairs there and get his head right about being tackled. Don't fall on the floor, show people you're hurt, surprise people, stand your feet and go and get the ball, ball back. I'm going to use the name again, Declan Rice. Yeah. Doesn't do that. Patrick asks in the comments, um, as good as Declan Rice is, my fear is that we blow most of the budget and end up not refreshing other areas in the team. Is 100 million for Rice value for money? I mean, Paul, you've already said 130 would be. And I, I look at that and I think, yeah, it's a different question, isn't it? It's like if United have got 130 million to spend and they buy Declan Rice and they've still got the fullback problem. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's United's thing. And, it's going to continue to be that way because they've got too many problems in the team. The consequential point is, if Declan Rice is on the market, do you allow him to go to a, a City um, or a, a, a Liverpool or someone like that? And that's where United's issue is. Well, um, that's, that's the thing. If he go, if he goes to Liverpool, he improves the Liverpool. He improves Liverpool immensely. Yeah. Immensely. You take Jordan Henderson out of that team. You put him in. You improve. You improve Liverpool. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, you give them to Man City. The difference is, though, you look at Man City. Man City don't really need him at this moment in time with what no. they've got inside the park. They don't really need a Jack Grealish, to be honest. Yeah. Because because he slows them down the way they play. He doesn't he's, he doesn't play with any great tempo, so he slows them down. So the one team he would improve is Manchester United, but he'd have to, you know, it'd be virtually, when he comes to Manchester United, you, you'd get a bit, but you wouldn't get it all because you'd need others around him to help him because the others, he's, what he's got around him at West Ham is better than what they've got at Manchester United and he can yeah. control what he's got around him. He was he was better, he, when he, when um, Socek come back and that's the first time they played together, I think in two games, because Socek was out with um, COVID, and he had an immense first 45 minutes. His second half wasn't too bad either. But he needs them around. And those two really work well together. And it allows him then to make those drives forward. No one can drive forward with the ball at their feet like him. It's just no, he, how, he, how he does it is incredible. And um, what I really love about him as well is no fear of reputations. He just um, gets on with them. Yeah. He's a clean tackler. Very rarely gives fouls away. Yeah. Very, yeah. you know, Scott McTominay tried to play against him as a hard man, and he brushed him aside. He didn't know he was there, Scott McTominay. He, yeah. he just, he wasn't going to fall over and allow him to knock him over. He stood on his feet and ran away from him, and that tells me that he's old school footballer, not the modern day footballer, because modern day footballers fall over and try and get fouls rather than keep the game going. Bit, bit of the old. Um... Gaza against Robson and Mulders, that wasn't it? The, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And good to see, good to hear him come out afterwards and say that he loves playing at Old Trafford. Maybe um, in the modern day, that's as close to a, a come and get me, please. You're going to get um, just a, a magnificent player and one that we're rightly talking about because of how well he did on Saturday. And thankfully, we'll talk about it after a United win. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing that after the next podcast, which is going to be after the, the Borough game in a couple of weeks. Um, thanks as always to Paul for his time if you've enjoyed the podcast please give us um, a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts and please like and subscribe if um, you're watching on YouTube if if um, you're watching back on YouTube comment in the comment section we'll, um, I will join in the conversation afterwards we'll be back next week or two weeks in fact um, stay safe, stay well and thanks for listening and watching